Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the saga of Steve Rogers. My name's Tom, and I appreciate you listening. If you're here for the first time, welcome. If you're back again, awesome. Glad to have you back. Um, depending on how you listen, you can subscribe to the show. So if you're listening to it streaming on the website, click on subscribe through the RSS feed. If you're listening to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever, subscribe there. You can also uh, leave a review down at the bottom. Five stars would be the awesome part. But uh, appreciate any uh, any reviews, any feedback you guys could give. Uh, email address, steve at sagaofsteverogers.com. Website, sagaofsteverogers.com. So check it out. Um, so today's a little different interview. Most of my interviews I do are face-to-face. The interview that I'm about to play for you guys is... An interview I did over the phone. So first things first, in the interest of full disclosure, I screwed the interview up a little bit. So I don't do a lot of interviews over the phone. Most of the interviews are people that come into the studio. We sit here, we chat, hang out, whatever. This interview was done over the phone, and I recorded it. The person I was interviewing sounded amazing. Her audio came through great. She's a great person. Can't wait for you guys to hear her. My audio, instead of recording through the microphones in the studio... It recorded through the internal microphone on my MacBook, so it sounded like absolute shite. So, tried a bunch of things to rectify that. None of it sounded good. None of it worked. I tried mixing it and removing this and popping this in. It still sounded like shit. So, what I did is I took her audio, I wrote down the questions that I asked her, and I just re-recorded my portion. So, it may not sound as cohesive as I would like it to. It's not recording live. Normally, I just hit record and go. It's kind of like a radio show, and what happens, happens. If somebody farts or burps or spills something, whatever, I may pause it if my kids come running in. But for the most part, I hit record and go on with my life. This is going to be a little different, so please bear with me. Uh, The person I'm interviewing, her name is Heather Vickery. She's well worth struggling through my horseshit, and don't judge her harshly because of my stupidity. Um, appreciate you guys listening again. SagaofSteveRogers.com is the website. Steve at SagaofSteveRogers.com is the email address. Uh, if you're subscribed to iTunes or if you're listening to iTunes, hit subscribe. Just keep getting the shows. They go out twice a week, Tuesday, Saturday. Uh, appreciate you listening. Thanks for all the support. Love you guys. Saga of Steve Rogers. So uh, the person I'm about to talk to, her name is Heather Vickery. Uh, the way I met Heather is I joined a bunch of podcast groups. I've been trying to figure out ways to kind of grow the show, expand my knowledge of how to do podcasts better, talk to people that are doing it, maybe give advice to people that are just starting out, uh, get some new tips, stuff like that. And so I put a post out on one of the podcast groups and I said, hey, let's cross promote somebody that's got a podcast. Come on my show. <laughs> I'll promote your show, you promote my show, one hand washes the other, all that happy horse shit. Um, I put it out there, crickets, waited about a week, no response. So then I wrote Bueller, (laughs) Bueller, and somebody wrote LOL, and somebody else wrote, hey, I'm already in a relationship, you're pushing a little hard, man, don't try to to be so forceful. And I laughed at that, my (laughs) LOL. And then the other person that responded was the person who's on my back line right now. So I have Heather Vickery, um, and we're going to talk to Heather. So how's it going, Heather? Thanks. 
So you're new to podcasting. Your show hasn't even dropped yet, right? I am. That's right. Doing lots of interviews and getting it all ready. But my uh, my podcast launches in April. Before we go too much further, let me get a little background on you. So tell me where you grew up. <laughs> I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. What was it like growing up in Indianapolis? <laughs> That's how I feel about it. <laughs> I I I don't even know. So just super suburban, um, isolated, somewhat narrow-minded. But it's interesting. I it, I think as I've gotten older, I realize it was far more diverse than I felt like it was at the time. Now as an adult, I'm 43. I live in Chicago um, and I seek out diversity. I start to think back. All of my friends were either black or Jewish. I, I don't. I have any, you know, white friends. So I wasn't in this small, isolated town, but it felt like it. It felt like it was. Tell me about your parents. My parents. Uh, so, yeah, my my parents were divorced when I was nine weeks old. And um, so my mama was a single mom. She's a badass. We had our moments because that's what girls and their mothers do. But um, she worked her ass off all all of my life, all of her life, and she's she's a bad. I'm at a ho- I'm in a hotel room, so if you hear somebody screaming in Spanish outside of my room, it's because the cleaning people are out there. Um, oh, so that sound more. isn't somebody you have captured in your room? It's not. I nobody <laughs> at least not yet it. anyway. I right? mean, I I can get into that, but I don't have that. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, and my dad, you know, my dad lived in a really small town in Illinois. Um, he's a really great guy. I love him. We didn't get to spend a ton of time together when I was little, but, uh, you know. So you said your mom was this badass. Um, what did she do for a living and what made her such a badass? My mom is a badass. Uh, Real estate. But my, but my mom's a badass, right? Like she goes after what she wants. She doesn't take no for an answer. She taught me to be a strong, weird, strong-willed, fierce, independent woman, right? Like, was that a Freudian slip there saying uh, weird? I know. Weird I'm weird. Everybody, who's not weird? If you're not weird, then I don't want to be friends because normal people are boring. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, she just helped helped me feel very empowered. And uh, I had a, I had a friend when I first moved to Chicago after I graduated from college who said to me. You tell by the way you interact with the world that you grew up loved. And I thought that was such a nice compliment to my oh, mother. That's a pretty glowing recommendation for your yeah. mom as a parent and as an amazing human being. Yeah. She sounds like a badass. Sounds like everybody should be raised by your mom. Yeah, well, it's not. I wouldn't go that far. She's not perfect. Nobody. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So were you a good kid in school? Did you get really good grades? Yeah, mostly good kid, pretty average student. I was a C plus, B minus student. Uh, only got you know in in trouble once. There might have been a a tiny couple of hours in jail for a little underage drinking. Nothing major. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I was a pretty good kid. I really was uh, boring. I've never done drugs. Uh, Theater was like a drug for me. That sounds so dorky. Sounds I actually just told dorky. somebody else that earlier today. Like the way people describe feeling 
that's how I feel when the lights go down on the house and the stage lights go up. So I'm cool. Like, I don't need to do drugs. Just take me to the theater. Yeah. Do you have siblings? Are you an only child? So, all right. This makes for interesting podcasts. I am an only child, but I have a half brother, half sister, two sisters, and two stepsisters. Your phone just cut out. Oh, man, that's bad timing. Uh, what I just said was I am an only right? child, but I have a half-brother, half-sister, two ex-stepsisters, and two stepsisters. How do you get ex-stepsisters? My mom's second husband oh. and then divorced. Okay. They got divorced with the divorce. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. They got divorced. I mean, one of them I actually am really close with still. We grew up together. We lived in the same house together for a long, okay. long time. And um, she feels most like my sister. And then my mom and my current stepdad, whom I, I adore deeply, they've been together for almost 30 years. So um, his kids are awesome. And I've grown up with them and, and I love them. And I, I love my nephews. Um, but I never really forged a sistership, although that seems to be shifting to um, as we grow older, but you know, it's depressing this ho Hallmark holiday sibling wait, day, wait. right. And everybody sibling goes on Facebook day? and they put all their happy pictures. I'm not ever the one anybody thinks of putting a picture up of there's a siblings day. You're going to have to keep your eye out. I couldn't tell you. I, I avoid Facebook on siblings day. Yeah. And they're all like, Oh, look at my best friend for life. My sister, my brother, whatever. And they'll put each other up. Right. Cause they have full blooded, siblings and um and uh, nobody ever thinks of me and it's kind of depressing and then when i like whine about it like a little girl they they go but you have me i'm like well why didn't you put a fucking exactly. picture of me up? <laughs> what was that about fuck you put the next damn year picture put the picture of <laughs> it's actually april 10th never there heard of siblings day before it's coming up i'm gonna stay off facebook on april 10th if you need me text me horse shit you'll be all over there <laughs> i doubt it <laughs> Actually, on your page, it mentions a lot of Facebook stuff. You talk about... It does not. What bio page are you on? You sent me a link to your page. Hold on. To my... To Heather my, Vickery my business Facebook whatever. page? <laughs> I don't remember. I think I say don't go on Facebook. I'm like, manage your time better. Because that's what I do. So I'm you, a, you did I'm, mention finding time to go on Facebook. You mentioned Facebook... Maybe it was your blog. I think maybe. Yeah. You might have to do my blogs. What I do is I teach time management stuff. And so I teach uh, multi, uh, not multitasking, but fast yes, tasking and focus that's, tasking. That's so if, if Facebook is important to you, but it's a time suck and it like it takes, it takes you out of the moment, I'll say build it into your schedule so that you have it to look forward to instead of as a distraction when you should be focusing on something else. I like that. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's, yeah, yeah I don't do that. <laughs> a lot of people don't do it. My partner has this brilliant app. I have no idea what it's called. Um, where when she opens Facebook on these specific hours, like during work hours, it says not right now, Bernadette. Like it, like it literally won't let you get in. It, it doesn't let her go Facebook. in or it just tells her she should go away. 
Yeah, I mean, you you have to push a couple of other buttons to get through, which by that point makes you feel guilty enough that you're clearly not focusing on work to go, okay, I'm not going to do it. It's pretty cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, smart. Yeah, smart. Let's go back to your childhood. Okay. <laughs> so when you were a kid, you know, a lot of people have the story like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a cowboy or... Oh, come Girls on. Girls want to be a ch- Oh, you did that just to get a rise out of me. I certainly did not try to get a rise out of you. <laughs> I didn't want to be a cowboy, but I think cowboy? it's to say girls wanted to be a ballerina and boys I'm just generalizing. <laughs> it is, as long as we can both agree it's horseshit, then fine. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Total okay. horseshit. <laughs> What was the first job you thought of? Like, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Really? You wanted to yeah. make no money and just have summers off and <laughs> fuck around. I, um, I thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher, which is very laughable yeah. now. I went to school. I started taking the elementary ed classes, and I was like, uh, no. I do not. I, <laughs> no. Nope. But I would love. I, te- I do a lot of teaching now. And, um, I love it. And so if I could teach like a college course of people who are super into this, this thing that I'm talking about, yes, let me, let me teach, but not in a classroom. No way. No how. Hmm. What was your first real job? Not like Burger King or whatever, but like your first adult job. Oh, not like my first high school well, job. What was your first high school job? Cause my, my first pay, I, I babysat from the time I was about 12, but my first high school job was at a place called Leaps and Bounds. So hmm. you've been to McDonald's Playground, sure. Play Lot. They they did like this ex- experimental thing in Indianapolis where they had this huge indoor playground. It was owned by McDonald's Corp. And they had all those tubes and the balls and uh-huh. all, all of that and birthday party rooms. And I was a party coordinator at Leaps and Bounds. Wow. That's your first job. After college, before high no, school, it wasn't. No, I was in high school. That was my first high school job. Your first high school job is at leaps and bounds. <laughs> it was. At first, I thought it was like some kind of bondage place <laughs> or torture. Doesn't sound like a high school job. Again with the stereotypes. <laughs> All right, guilty. No, my first job post college was at I. I was supposed to be selling copiers. Supposed to be? <laughs> I don't think I ever <laughs> sold one. Uh, it, the job lasted about four months. What it did, though, is my territory was downtown Chicago, nice. and I got to know the area nice. really well. I was on foot, and I know like the back of my hand, which is super cool. Um, and then I went into what started out as, as the right career for me. I... Um, I'm deeply connected to charitable organizations. So I went to work for the American Cancer Society and I created their young professionals board um, and did event planning for the American Cancer Society. Yeah. That was my first legit, but I mean, God, I was, I was 23 and I made, I don't know, $26,000 a year, you know, had this teeny tiny little studio in downtown Chicago. It didn't get me very far, but I made it work. Time of your life, though, right? Like living in downtown Chicago. 
it was fun. And the people, I worked all the freaking time. In fact, I had three jobs at that time to make it all work. But when I was doing ACS stuff, uh, I was, the young professionals were my people. They were my age. They had dress. So we would meet at bars. I made a ton of friends and, you know, connections that have lasted an entire lifetime. In fact, that's where I met my ex-husband was through one of those connections. So yeah, it was, it was great. And when I wasn't doing that, I was either cocktailing at the house of blues or selling charitables raffle tickets. Your phone cut out again. Charitable raffle tickets, huh? Yes. I'm sorry about my phone. That's going to be irritating for your listeners. I don't know what's up. Uh, yeah, I used to sell raffle tickets for the Charitables, which was the charity organization for the Chicago oh, Bulls. nice. Nice. Sounds like a yeah. cool job. It was fun. Yeah, we got to see the games for free and hang out, and it was a good time. I was in Illinois for about a month. I was in Elgin. Do you know where Elgin is? Oh, yeah, I do. I was in Elgin yeah. working for the bank that I work for. Don't say the name of the bank I work for. Don't need HR problems, but <laughs> I just call it the bank. The bank. <laughs> I was there training for collections, I think, for credit card. Fun. Sounds like a good time in Elgin. Perfect Illinois. place for it. Gloomy. <laughs> yes, it is. But the thing that I remember most, well, there's two things. One I'm not going to talk about. The best restaurant I ate at was the Weber Grill. It was in downtown. Did you ever Ooh. eat there? Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a chain restaurant fan, though. I live in a city that has the best restaurants mm. in the entire nation. <laughs> and so I really avoid chain restaurants when at all possible because we have so yeah, many do. phenomenal restaurants in Chicago. I had no idea it was a chain. I never heard of it. All I know is I cooked my food on an actual grill. Everything they that do. I ate <laughs> was cooked off the grill. That's a Baller dinner, man. That's a great meal. <laughs> That's such a dude thing exactly. to say. <laughs> I'm a dude, so yeah, you know. But it was a, you know, it was a great time. Awesome. <laughs> At the time, it was the best thing I'd ever seen. That's cooking so funny. my food on a grill with. <laughs> we walked around looking no. for Oprah. Yeah. No, no, you're not gonna find Oprah. Not anymore. Now she's deserted us. Really? Left us for California. Yeah. She has houses Close. everywhere, though, so. Yeah, she's, like, legit gone from Chicago now. It's been a few years. Harpo Studios officially closed last year. Um, no trace huh. of Oprah left in Chicago. It's it's very well, sad. You know. Yeah. So we talked about – I sent you a request for people, and you mentioned the Obamas. Well, talked about the request for people, but talk about the Obamas. You're a big Obama fan? I am – a big Obama fan. Yes, I am. I canvassed for Obama both campaigns. I, one of my top five, six greatest moments of my life ever was being in the crowd in Grant Park during his um, acceptance speech in nice. 2008. Wow. Big, big Obama fan. Yeah. I actually, yeah. because I was in Chicago training, I got a Christmas card from the Obamas the first year in the White House. Well, there you go. I still have it at work. He and his wife, the two daughters, and I think a dog, maybe? Their dog, yeah. I think it had little dog paws on the card or something. Pretty sure the dog's name is Bo. I think its name is Bo. Yeah, I have it. That's fun. Yeah. I I, uh, did a little fundraiser for the first campaign. 
and got this really nice tin of Garrett's popcorn. It's Chicago's famous for it. And a note that, um, well, I, I don't know if it was actually signed by Barack or signed by Barack's people, but it <laughs> looked like it was signed by Barack. It has his name. That was a very exciting moment. I have that. And I got an, an invitation nice. to the inauguration, which I could not go to. But I'll tell you, this is one of my cutest stories. I have four daughters and my 11 year old was there little, little, little then. And so we watched the inauguration together. And at one point I looked over at her. She was, I can't do that quick enough, but what, two, um, three. And uh, I looked over at her and I said, oh, Evie, I wish I was there. And she said, me too, mom, me too. That's adorable. (laughs) It was really sweet. That is adorable. (laughs) Yeah. you have four daughters? I do. I have four daughters. And their ages range from what? 13, 11, 8, and 4 should be 5 in three weeks, but we don't talk about that. How old's the oldest one again? 13. 13. I have yeah. um, seven kids. So I got your B. It's, it's, it's crazy, except you did yeah. it the easy way. I married into way. seven. I hired them, you know. <laughs> no genetic component. They are... <laughs> the oldest but is... But what are the ages of yours? Oldest is 21. She goes to ASU. She's a chemical engineer major. She's graduating next year. Next one is 18. Dropped off the face of the earth. We're not really sure where he is, actually. We're sure he's alive. Um, But don't know where he is. Long story. Next two are 16. Boy and a girl. Um... Then there's 14, just turned 14 yesterday, the day we recorded this. Um, okay. Nice. Just went and bought beds. That's why we were late. Oh, so. I love my Tempur-Pedic yeah. bed. Nice gift. I don't know why a 14-year-old needs a Tempur-Pedic bed, but, you know. <laughs> I didn't have a Tempur-Pedic bed till I was 48, so, you know. Yeah. Anyway. I got one during my third pregnancy when it was all going to fall apart <laughs> if something didn't change. <laughs> then the youngest two are 10. So two no, sets of twins. They're not twins. The two 10s and the two 16s are not biologically related. Let me back up. My wife had two children from her first marriage, boy and a girl. That's the 21 and one of the 16s. Second marriage is one of the 10-year-olds. It's a, it's a shit show. It's a mess. And then my wife is super altruistic. She seems a lot like you. Want to give back. Want to do great things for the world. Help those who need it. So yeah. even though she already had three kids, she took class, became a foster parent. Oh, wow. She and her husband went through the classes. And that was hard for them to be like, okay, here's the deal. We know you want one kid, but we have this bonus plan. There's these four. They all have the same mom. And they, all different oh, dads. Wow. Mother was a prostitute. The kids all have different dads. Don't know who's the real parent. Um, they were taken from the mom. If you'll take all four, that'll be awesome. But if not, we're going to have to break them up. So they've been in the system too long. So she took all four. That's just how she's wired. Wow, I like yeah, your wife I already. She, I bet. And then probably within a year, maybe two, she ended up divorcing her second husband and 
Yeah, became oh, a single mom of God. seven kids. Man, I hope she had a really good job because that shit is expensive. Well, she she is a trainer for the other big bank. I'll say their name. Fuck it. She works for Wells Fargo. Oh. Um, <gasps> we don't like them. They're on the do not. They do not. Where they are on the do not, do not shop, shop list for me. So pourquoi? There you go. Because of their support oh. of the NRA? Yeah, she's not a fan of the NRA either. My wife, again, it's a big <laughs> problem with the NRA. And you and my wife yeah. would get along great. Sounds like it. She's very much um, tuned into the Democratic agenda, very anti-Trump. I've seen some anti-Trump posts on your Facebook. So I'm just anti goodness and humanity <laughs> and that by default is anti they do kind of go hand so. in hand for a lot of people <laughs> that's all. For everybody really so she had adopted the four took them in as foster kids and then adopted them afterwards but in arizona when you adopt kids from foster care because it's such a sh- there's so many kids in foster care you get a stipend from the state so well that's good that's a smart this the state do that yeah. so that's good yeah. And then she married me, you know, she traded up. So, you know, it's like having another child. sugar daddy. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a draw on the on the goodness of the family. Trust me. Yeah. Hoping I'm not in that boat, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I don't make money off the podcast. So this is just a giant draw off the economy of the house. It's weird. I, I was married twice, and I went from my first marriage to my second marriage directly. Uh, no dating Oof. anybody else between the two. So there was no figuring life yeah. out between the two. After my second wife and I broke up, I was like, I'm not doing that again. I don't think I'm ever getting married again. I'm just going to see what's up in the world, see what it's like. Like, the the <laughs> dating world was fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. So... I started yeah. writing about it. I wrote a blog and I started writing about the crazy people and situations and things. And just, I couldn't believe that these people were adults. Some of the shit I wrote <laughs> about, I go back and read it now and I'm like, oh my God, how did that happen? These are normal adults. But so eventually the blog became a podcast when technology advanced. So, you know, I, I, I started the podcast in my closet (laughs) started recording in my closet put down a card table some metal folding chairs just sat in the closet hit record and and started started recording there you go so i closed one of my garages and now i have a full studio and just record um in the studio so yeah fancy oh yeah real fancy (laughs) And I'm not making a penny out of it, but it's just therapy for me, really. I, I just it's enjoy fun. the shit yeah, out of it. Yeah, no, it's fun. I, I talk to mostly people I know, so I bring people in that I know or people I want to know better. Like, I, I've brought people in from work. I brought one person that was like, I, I don't like this person at all. So I was like, there was one person I was like, I, I really don't That's like awesome. her, but I want to know why. Like, I want to figure it out. And so... I, I told her, like, I really want to figure out why I don't I like tell. you. Excellent. And she was like, I, you know, I noticed you didn't like me, and I saw we didn't like each other, but, we, you know, let's figure it out. <laughs> so we did. So you mentioned you have three kids. Four. Four, four. kids. Sorry, four. 
How long kids. were you married? I was married 11, for 11 years. years. How'd you meet your husband? Uh, I met ex. my Sorry. ex-husband at, uh, at a bar, but not the way that it sounds. <laughs> I was hanging out with some, some friends who had friends in town. They had friends who had just gotten married and they were, they had a gathering. Like they'd gotten married that weekend. It was uh, Labor Day weekend and everybody was gathering at this bar and he's like, let's go hang out. My friends are going to be there. So I, I tagged along and somehow got involved and I was the youngest by far. They were all in their early third, late twenties, early thirties. And, um, they started playing a game of asshole, which I'd never actually even played in college. So I don't know if you've ever played, it's a card game. I don't know if you've no. ever played asshole, but in the game, the person who does the best is the president and the person who does the worst is the asshole. And they have to sit next to each other. And as it turned out to be like, for the next, you know, 15 years of my life, he was the president <laughs> and I was the asshole. But I'm a good, so you were a good a asshole. Good sport. And so I, you know, they made me wear a newspaper hat and fetch drinks and do whatever. And he liked that I was a good sport. And, um, and yeah, he was a, he was a, he was a good guy. He's a nice guy. And he wanted to get married and have kids. I wanted to get married and have kids. And so we did. It sounds awesome. Sounds interesting. I mean, explain the asshole game again. Your phone's cutting in and out. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do. I wonder if I go closer to the window, if it'll be better. Um, it's a mm-hmm. it's a card game, and I don't. Rem- it's the only time I've ever played it. I've never played it before or since. And um, but then you played it for fifteen years. Him, the president. You, the asshole. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, we played the asshole yeah. and the president. For that's what years, I meant. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the the person who's constantly winning is considered the president and the person who's constantly losing is considered the asshole, but you have to sit next to each other and and engage with each other. And so, yeah, Yeah. that was the rest of my life. (laughs) Asshole card game. I'm Googling it. And you can Google asshole. Well, if I Google asshole, it'll be a picture of my ex-wife. Is it drinking? Asshole drinking game. Well, I was the asshole. Popular, yeah, no. <laughs> but complex, competitive, turn-based card drinking game. Yeah, there was mm. drinking. I remember that there was drinking. And you were married for how many years now? We were married for 11, together for almost 15. Okay. So I was married for 15 the first time, so... Mm. One of the first things you said to me is you came out late in life. So you were married. And at some point you figured out this wasn't the right marriage, the relationship you're supposed to be in. Yeah. I realized (laughs) I was married to the wrong gender. Um, Okay. Yeah, I did. It was a really long, really slow process. And now, and people are like, how could you not have known? And I knew my mom had some gay male friends, but I didn't know any lesbians. I never found the lesbians in college. Maybe the story would be different if I'd Probably. found them, but I don't know where they Where'd were. Where'd you go to college? Um, I went to Wittenberg University in Springfield, okay. Ohio. You went to a small college. Small little liberal. Oh, they were there. They were totally they there. They were totally though. there. Subsequently, I've, I now know some people who were, who were in the lesbian crowd, but I just didn't, we didn't hang out. Um, and where was I going? Oh, so when I look back, 
I'm like, I should have figured that. And my, and my girlfriend, it's hilarious. Like she'll look at pictures. She's like, you were totally, how did you not know that? <laughs> um, and I'm a pretty girly lesbian, but I wasn't in, in hmm. college, which is interesting. Anyway, I digress. I, I really didn't know, uh, you know, how women talk about each other in a very sexual, compassionate yeah. way. Oh, she's hot. Oh, she's beautiful. And I didn't know that the things that I was thinking and feeling were different than what all of the other women were thinking and feeling. Because um, I don't know how people feel. I just didn't know it was more than what it was. And, um, as I got a little bit older, it became more and more obvious that that was what it was. And it was hard. That was a hard thing to do. So you figured it out long before you told your husband, ex-husband. Yes. I figured it out. I mean, it had to be a progression, right? Like you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a progression. There were a few years where I thought I just maybe wanted to sleep with a girl. Like maybe it's, I'm just fluid and that it's would be fun. It's just a thing, a phase I'm going through. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you do that. And then you go through the whole, like, gotta be, and, and you have to be so, say this sarcastic, but you gotta like be by for a while before it's a, yeah, your phone's cutting totally out. Totally gay. Um, that is not the case for everybody. Me. So, uh, I don't know what to do. I went not right either. by the, we can, um, I wonder if it'd be better if I turn oh. the Wi-Fi off. Hold on a second. Let me try, try it, out. it out. See if this gets better for you. Um, I don't know if that's going to help or not. Um, they, you know, they say you got to get like get be be get by gay. for a while before <laughs> you can be totally gay, which is not true for everybody. But it was part of my process. So for a while, I thought it was just about sex, um, and then I realized it wasn't just about sex. So I was like legitimately fully out to myself for about a year before my ex-husband found you, out. So yeah. you definitely had to be bi at some point because you were married, but with women. Well, that doesn't make you bi. Lots of times you do things you're not, that aren't necessarily authentic. Wait, what? Help me with that. It doesn't, what do you mean? Uh, believe it or not, you don't have to be gay or straight to sleep with someone of the opposite sex. It's, it's not about sex. It's about the way you feel on the inside. Um, just because you're, just because I was having sex, which let's be honest, was really infrequent, um, with a man didn't make me bi or straight. Hmm. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I get that. Um, right. It's internal. It's not, it's not about your external behaviors. It's about how, who you feel like I, you are on the inside. As soon as you said that, like, I, I was all scrunched up. I'm like, I don't know what the hell she's <laughs> talking about. I want to try to sound like I know what's going on and I'm smarter than I am, but of course I don't understand your struggle. But, but then when you said, you know, you clarified, I'm like, Oh, that totally makes sense. Now. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So who was the first person you came out to? Um, the very first person I came out to was probably a, a woman I'm, I'm no longer friends with, which is kind of a bummer, um, named McKenna. She was a good friend at the time. Hmm. Just a friend? Okay. She, yeah, she was just a friend. Yeah. Um, she was, yeah. And, and what was that like? What was it like coming out and, and, like, I know people that have come out and, and they tell their best friend, was she your best friend or just... 
just a very, okay. very close friend. Yeah. Um, nothing ever happened between us. There was never anything like that. But um, yeah, you know, I describe the process of coming out uh, like getting little tiny <laughs> bits of air in my lungs. Okay. And it used to make me like pa panicked. I would start to sweat. I would, I, I would start to feel really, really anxious because for a long time I wasn't sure what people were going to do or how they were going to react. And of course there was this shock factor for a long time, but the more I told the story, the easier it got and the deeper breath I was able to take. And then eventually I remember taking that whole first deep breath and it felt like the first time I'd ever taken a breath in my whole life. How is it? How was it the first time you verbalized it? Like you had it going in your head for a while, like you're having this inner monologue. You're, you're working through these steps and reimagining who you are and who you think you were and who everybody else expects you to be. What was it like the first time you heard yourself say it? It was crazy. And the first time, the very, actually, now that you say that, the very first time I said it, I was at the doctor. Ooh. I... I went for a, like a physical, regular physical and I had a female doctor and I'd never met her before. And she's taking like a, a, a history and they ask yes, all these personal sure questions do. at these, you know, family practice, regular physicals. Right. And she's asking about my mental state. And at the time my mental state was not great because I was like, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I am pretty sure I'm gay. And so I, I told her, and she said flat out, well, are you a lesbian? And I said, yeah, I think so. I think so. That was the very first time I actually said it out loud. It was strange, but it was such a relief. It was probably easier that you were saying it to somebody who you didn't know, somebody, a medical yeah. provider, like her job isn't to not judge and to hear all kinds of things, like to hear things from yeah. people and to give you, yeah. you know, and help and giving her that information was probably like, yeah. okay, wait, this is really what I am. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And did anybody that you came out to say like, well, of course we knew that all along. I had a couple of people who were like, eh, I'm not that surprised. I had a ton of people who were shocked. Hmm. Um, nobody was shocked that I was in an unhappy yeah. marriage. Uh, I'm not, I don't believe that my marriage would have lasted even if I, I, I hadn't come out. He, he's a great guy, but we just didn't make a, a good partnership. And um, but you were I, together I fifteen years. Space. I mean, that's a long time. Yeah, he was your it's president. You were the asshole. So you know, I, I know, right? We had all we had a bunch of kids, and you know, the thing is, is you can you don't get no. married to get divorced. Even when I did come out, you know, I lived with it for a while, and then he found out, and then we jumped right into therapy and we tried to, I tried to be by and we tried to work it out for a couple of years. And then we tried to be creative and find ways to meet each other's needs you know, and stay married. Right. Cause you don't want to get divorced. I didn't want to right, break up sure. my family. And, um, eventually I realized that that wasn't honest and it wasn't right. And I looked at my little, my little daughters who were very small at the time. And I thought, what would I tell them to do? If they came to me in this situation, would I tell them just to like suck it up and deal with it because that that was the bed they made or or what would I want for them? And of course, I would want them to go out and seek happiness and be who they are and all of those things. And I knew right then that I, I had to do that. I had to get out of the marriage 
and step into who I was and step into my power because I wanted to show them they could do that. And that's when my business shifted and I started doing a lot of coaching and training and speaking. And, you know, when you, when a person taps into their deeply authentic self, they have so much more to offer the world. So that was so deep. <laughs> no, it's no, true, I, I get it. I'm just, it's, I'm yeah. trying to picture like what it was like from your point of view and his point of view. You're, you're both trying to work through, he's trying to make concessions like, well, maybe it'll be okay if you do this and, and I do that. And, yeah. but that yeah. whole give and take, you know, like I'm willing to accept this, but I need you to, to... yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how to say this. I I don't know if if it's I could hard. do that. Like I, I'd want to be strong, but I don't know if I could. You could go do what you want and come up to me. Like I don't I don't know how I would react. Well, it it didn't right. It didn't Ultimately, work it didn't work for either of us. I mean, us. it was a a but. So, whose idea was the um, the concession? But, uh. At different times, both of our okay. idea. I mean, I wanted him to also be happy, um, and and he tried a couple of things, and and that didn't. Work. He, you know, right. he loved me a lot, and I loved him, but I wasn't in love right. with him. It makes sense. I don't think I was ever in love with him, um, but he he couldn't do it, and he would have been very happy and content staying in a loveless mostly sexless marriage and I just I don't I don't want that for myself and I mostly didn't want it for my kids I didn't want them to see that as something they should look for wow yeah (laughs) man that's really deep you guys were going through some shit like the the two of you I don't know I'm I'm without words which is not something I'm used to (laughs) it's an interesting story it's a it's a it's equally a very sad yeah. and a very happy story yeah, at the same time. And it and there are things that I wish I'm not regretful for That's good. any of my choices because they created they, me. They, they made brought you the me person where I am and today. I'm very grateful yeah. to be where I am. Absolutely. Yes. But there are things I wish I had done differently um, or had a little more perspective on because as I was discovering myself, I, I made some choices that – we're selfish, right? Because that's something that we do. But I, I never wanted to cause harm. Um, and I wish that I had been a little bit more careful or thoughtful about how I proceeded with some of the things that I did. Because, um, you know, it isn't ever my intention to cause harm. And and this was a man that, that I cared for. And he was the father of my children. Right. He is the father of my children. And, and I'm sorry for any hurt that he ever experienced. But I had to go through the thing that I had sure. to go through. I mean, to stay is a lie. Yeah. I can so relate. My first marriage was like that. It was, I've talked about it to the people that listen, so I won't spend too much time going into it, but it was loveless and pretty sexless. And when you said that, I was like, oh, I've been there. Yeah, been there, done that. Checkbox. (laughs) Pretty sexless. I can tell you. No, I was going to say, I could tell you the date and time before my kids were conceived. That's how sexless it was. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks bad. I know. I was 
yeah. getting close to my 15-year anniversary with my first wife, and everybody was like, oh, my God, what a milestone. You've made it longer than your parents. What's the secret to this great relationship? And in my head, I was like, secret is I don't even give a shit. I'm just here because my stuff's here. Yeah. I don't hate her. I, I love her. I like her, but I'm not in love with her anymore. I'm, I'm here more because my stuff's yeah. here, and I've yeah. settled, and, and I can't picture it's leaving. easy. Yeah, it was so easy. So easy. And once I realized that this was wrong and, and, and I wasn't happy, I realized it at night. And the next morning, I told my best friend. That same day, I told her. I didn't think about it. I didn't dick around. I didn't, didn't you know, flip-flop or try to, try to hedge my bets. Or Once I realized it was done, it was done. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do, but it was easy at the same time. Yeah. And when you don't have kids, it's got to be so much easier. I mean, like he and I are in each other's lives yeah. always and forever. We see each other eight times a week. And that's sure. hard. I, I, I can't even imagine. If you don't have kids, you're like, I never, ever, ever have to see you again or hear your name or talk to you or about you ever, ever again. <laughs> so bonus. You know? The horrible thing for me was, you know, we worked at the same place. So, oh, that's tough. I, while we're going through this horrible, but you can get a new job, right? Like there are I, ways. I did get a yeah. new job eventually, but we both yeah. worked at American Express. I'll say that company. I don't care. But we were both in the same building on the same floor, different departments. But she's at work crying, telling everybody what a horrible person I am. And you know, we had the same friends, and that's everybody tough. would yeah. come to me and be like, you know, Sharon said this is what what's going on? Is this? I was like, it's none of your business. If she chooses to no. tell you stuff, that's on her. But you're a friend, but yeah. you're pushing the boundaries of a friendship by getting way into my bubble. We're going through some stuff and it's yeah. mom and dad stuff. It's like our business, not yours. You know, it's people want yeah. to get into, you know, people yeah. are nosy as fuck though. Like whatever. <laughs> I, I have, That's a great way to know, put it. Several friends, lesbians that have been together forever and ever and ever. And they have kids and people asking things like, Oh, who carried the baby? Like, does it, who fucking asked that Jeez. question? She'll turn around. She will turn around and say, well, I don't know who carried yours. <laughs> like, fuck you. Which I love. Like, it's like, where is that your business in any way? Like, I understand that it feels strange and like a novelty to some people. But listen, folks, don't ask anybody that well, question. It's a shitty question to ask. I would have somebody. never thought it was a shitty question. Like, if, I guess... Well, it's totally shitty. I would have never thought it was a shitty question. Like, I, I feel like I would ask that question. I feel like I would hurt yeah. people's feelings. Like, I, I can see it if, you know, yeah. if, if my wife and I were there and we have a kid, it would be obvious. Yep. And uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I can yep. see that being horribly offensive and I didn't see it two seconds ago. So thanks. It's just nobody's yeah. business just like you going through a divorce it's not somebody's business to ask now if it comes up in conversation and you offer um that's different right but yeah people are crazy and people are rude they're so rude well, who was the hardest person wait wait let me back up your parents are divorced so you had to mm -hmm. tell your parents so do you tell them together or separate oh separate an accident <laughs> Well, my mom was by far the hardest person to tell, really? without a doubt. And my dad found out, I'll, I'll share this story in a second, by accident, because I, uh -oh. I fucked up in a really big way um, and ripped that Band-Aid off. But my mom, this is, you know, 
first of all, when for me, so I can't speak for everybody, but when things started to fall apart at the seams and I couldn't figure out why I was miserable and I started to figure out why I was miserable and it was years, the process was so long and I went, I pulled away from everyone I loved. I didn't talk to people. I didn't really forge deep relationships because I didn't know who I was and I didn't have anything to offer. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And my mom, my relationship with my mom, which had always been really tight knit, we'd been very, very close, which was actually something my ex-husband was jealous of and, and hated, um, which is a, a sign that that's not a, a yeah. good relationship anyway. But finally, she pushed me one night. She was in town. She lives still in Indiana and I'm here in Chicago. And she pushed me. Why? So why are you so miserable? And I said, because I'm a Ooh. lesbian. Ooh. And she got up. So at this point, you had already told your husband. I a number of yeah, he knew, and a, and a number of of friends, many many friends at that okay. point knew. Um, <laughs> My dogs. And she got up and she walked away. And when she came back, she told me she, she was what? on his side. That's that's. And how are that their sides? I, I don't I don't get the. Yeah, and 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 for quite a while. Um, he and I had a really, really good, we had a good breakup, but anyway, there weren't sides. And, and I, one of the, my, my strongest moments of love for him came at that, when that happened, because he called her and he said, just what you said, there are no sides and there are no winners. And he said, but you have to be on Heather's side. There are no sides. You don't get, you don't get to be mad. I get to be mad. But you don't get to be mad. You have to love your daughter. That's and, strong because um, I don't know if I could be that strong and be supportive. I, I would want to do that, but I could also easily see like, yeah, that's right. Everybody's on my side. Like even though no sides and yeah, eh, no, he's that's a, a strong, he's a good that's man. a strong guy. He's a good man. He really, he truly is. Um, and so she, she had a very, very hard time with it. She said some things that I know she deeply, deeply regrets. Yeah. Uh, but a few weeks later, she came back and said, I, I'm sorry for all of the things that I said. You are my child. She was protective. What her fear was is that people would harm me. People would Judge be mean or... to me or my family yeah, would ostracize me. I could see that. And she didn't want me to be hurt. And once it became apparent that my family didn't fucking care, I mean, they may care a little. She told me recently that my grandpa, who has always been my favorite person, he walked me down the aisle when I got married, um, isn't proud of me anymore because of this. That was de- that was probably the That's most devastating tough thing word anyone's to ever use said to, to me. Say like not proud. That was tough. That hurts, but pride is important. But beyond that, they but they've all been fine. And she was very worried. My grandmother, who's passed now, unfortunately. Um, she was like, for sure that my grandmother was going to kick me out. And my grandmother said, you're my baby. I love you. I don't care. They all said that. Everyone said that. And my dad, who's super religious said, I don't understand. And, and my religion tells me it's wrong, but I love you. You're my kid. And I guess I don't have to understand. I just have to love you. Right. So then she was like, okay, she's safe. So I can be okay. And it took her a long time to get to know and like my partner whom she loved now, like they love each other. They text each other. 
Um, it was, but what I think was so awesome to watch with my mom, to watch her transform, she saw me become human again. She saw me breathe and relax and bring her in and laugh. And like, I came back to life and, and that's all a parent wants for their kid. So when she saw that actually happen, she was, she was good. She, she was great. She's great. My mom's badass. You've mentioned the badassery of your mom. Yeah. And what about your daughters? How was that? My daughter, I love my kids so much. They were, the divorce has been hard. The splitting yeah. up of the family has been hard. The The sexuality, they, they didn't bat an eyelash. They know lots of diverse kids families. Kids are they didn't give so much more shit. educated than, than we were and yeah. open to shit than we were. And our parents yeah. and our parents' parents, like, to Not them it's thing. nothing. Like, <laughs> I took my daughter to the movies with a friend of hers and uh, another friend. So it was a boy and a girl. And I was like, is that her boyfriend? She goes, he's gay. <laughs> he's, I was like, he's 14. She goes, yeah, he doesn't know it. We know he'll, he'll get there. I was like, how are you so involved? Like I, I would have never even looked at, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's such a different world. There's kids are so much more evolved and so much more accepting. And, and I'm so excited and I'm so proud of her. It is. No, it's pretty cool. You, my daughter has that. My, my sixth grader has a friend whom he knew that he was different than the other boys as a very, very small child. I could, they, he and my daughter became such good friends because they like to play dolls together. And his mom said, oh, he knows when the other boys are like him or when they're not. Like, they, he can tell. So I don't know yet even if this guy fully understands what it is, but he has known who he is and, and who's like him forever. And that's just going to be a really easy process for him, which is grateful. And, and the, the transgender, the non-binary, the non-conforming thing, this is not a problem for my kids. They, they have no trouble with a non-binary gender, a they, them, they they can, they can switch in and out of that without any trouble. Friends who were girls one year at school and come back as boys, no problem. Like this is all really easy for them. And it is a really beautiful, magical thing to watch. I, it's, it's awesome. Kids are. It's amazing. So daughters were no problem at all. Was it an None. easy conversation? Yeah, the hard part of that conversation was, do you know what it means to get divorced? So divorce was the tough part. And live in two houses. And my youngest doesn't remember when we were together. And, and sometimes she it would be, I want, it would be nice if you and daddy were in the same house. Um, my second born is the one that I think struggles the, the most with it. And it hurts, it hurts me to watch them hurting. Um, and, and my ex is quick to remind me that it's my fault that they're hurting because <laughs> wow. of me. But I dick move. This kind it, of a you dick know. Move. But I'm here to tell you that they would have been hurting. They would have been seriously hurting. Yeah. yeah. I was sad when my parents got divorced. Really bad. They used to fight all the time. My mom went into really deep depression when they separated. Yeah. But I knew if they stayed together, it would have been so much worse. So. Yeah, I, I wasn't happy when yeah. they got divorced, but it's better for them. 
ultimately, which made it better for me as a kid. Yeah. I'm just really honest with them. And I tell them, you know, it's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be mad. You don't have to worry about my feelings. It's not your job to worry about my feelings. It's my job to worry about yours. And you get to, you get to feel all the things and, and that's all good. But I had to do this thing and they all do understand that, or at least they say they do. Um, and that, that doesn't mean that sometimes it doesn't suck. Yeah. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes. Yeah. It had to be tough, but kids are so pre-wired for understanding They are so much more than previous generations. Yeah. You know, it may be tougher for them, you know, it's not my friend's parents or yeah. my neighbors or whatever. It's my mom and dad going through it. Yeah. It's more difficult if it's personal, but you know, so your, your girlfriend, wait, am I supposed to call her girlfriend? She girlfriend okay. or partner, girlfriend either or one. Partner. Yeah. She be, she wants to, she prefers partner because it, it, it indicates a level of commitment. Whereas girlfriend seems more casual, but either I, one. I hated girlfriend when I was dating people. Girlfriend, I'm not. I'm not twelve. It sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Partner seemed wrong too. Like I don't know. Partner sounds like business to me. So sure, the relationship we're in is a business or or whatever. But she lives with you or doesn't? Okay. She does. Mm-hmm. We've been living together now for oh, nice. three years. How was that transition for the kids? So fine. She, um, she moved from Boston to live here with, with me. Um, it was never tough. It was awkward. I think for them at first, awkward for her, awkward for me, but we were all just really honest with each other throughout the process. We did a lot, we had a lot of family chats and we kind of have a general rule. She doesn't parent. She friends and she adopts. Like, it's not to say she can't say, oh, my God, don't stand on the table. Right. But she doesn't parent them. Uh, I parent them because, you know, it's it's a slippery slope. And that's how you cause. I mean, you you have children that weren't birthed to you and you can you've got to be careful. You've got to build that trust in that relationship. And uh, especially with little bitty ones. Um and she befriends them and they do fine together. You know, every once in a while they'll get really mad. And they'll go, I, I never liked her. I don't like yeah. her. But they do. You know, she's good to us. She loves us. She loves them. And um, they know that she's not. And I have had to remind them earlier on in the process. You know that daddy and I were not going to stay married even if right. Bernadette wasn't in the picture. Like this isn't because of her. Right. You know, so they do fine. And how did you meet? So we've known each other for a long time. We both met through the wedding industry. Uh, my my career as an entrepreneur started as an event and wedding planner, and that was also what she used to do. She actually started the the nation's first gay wedding planning firm, um, which is pretty cool. So and so you, we met at a conference. You knew that she was gay when you guys were counterparts, rivals. Frenemies. Oh yeah, in the wedding industry, we're not rivals. There are a lot of wedding planners. You work together. There's enough. There's enough to go around. But yeah, we were. I mean, we were in different parts of the country. She was married at the time to a woman, um, and uh, yeah, we met. We became sort of social media friends, and then so this actually okay. This is a nice tie-in. Ties into how my dad. Oh, I came yeah. out to my dad. 
Um, we were like social media friends. And so one night, right after I'd come out to my mom and things were really bad, it was President's Day weekend. Um, it was like midnight on a Sunday night. And I, I saw a blog post somebody had written about why you shouldn't be afraid to come out. And the author of the post was responding to comments. And I was so lost and I felt so desperate um, that I responded. And I responded in a big way. I'm a 38-year-old mother of four, blah, 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 like the whole thing. And I didn't realize my response was attached <gasps> to my Facebook oh, account. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh. So I, I did figure it out. And I went and I Not took it off enough. my page, but because it was still clicked in the blog post, it showed up in everybody's feed. So I woke up the next morning to a barrage of text messages, emails, and actually my then husband, who, who had been in another room for over a year, came in and he sat at the foot of the bed and he tapped my leg and he said, hey, did, did, you, did you mean to do this? And I was like, oh my my God. And I was friends with my mom or my mom's family on Facebook, but I was friends with my dad and my dad's family and my dad didn't know. And so I went in and I unfriended everybody really quickly because oh, like maybe they hadn't seen it yet. Oh, not quick enough. And they had seen it. Well, my dad kind of played dumb, but my brother called me, my half brother, my brother called me and I, ne I, I don't think he'd ever called me in yeah. my whole life. And he said, Hey, I don't know what's going on, but I want you to know that I love you and I support you. And I said, does, does dad know? And he said, he, he does, he knows. And then my dad called and left a message and said, just thinking about you. Like he didn't say anything, uh, but he had an opportunity to talk to my cousin who was like my sister, whom I adore. And he sort of processed with her and she said, you, you don't need to approve. Heather does not need your approval, but she needs your love and she needs your support. And, and he just kind of embraced that. He went with it. Now his wife, and they've been married for 40 some years. Um, I oh. no longer exist to her. She won't say my name. She won't talk to, about my kids. Like we disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, but my dad and I have a pretty, pretty solid relationship now, maybe better than it's ever been. He's great with my girlfriend. He's, he comes to visit. He's great with my kids. Uh, yeah. So she's the only loss. And if that's the only loss I can live with that. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like much of a loss. It I'm bums sure. me out yeah. sometimes because she and I had a very tumultuous relationship when I was younger and we worked really hard to get to a place of friendship and understanding. And that's a bummer. But honestly, literally that's the only person that hasn't been like, okay, cool, whatever. No big deal. So I, I'm not going to complain. I can live with that. Have you talked to your father about your relationship with her? Like what's his. A little bit. He says, uh, she won't talk about it. And, and he said, nobody understands it. Her, her mom, her siblings. Like, I don't know that they all quote unquote approve. Right. And who fucking cares. You're a grown ass woman. He you said, nobody understands. No, nobody understands why she's this way, but there's no talking to her about it. And that's that he said, so I just, I don't push it. I'm like, whatever. She doesn't get in the way. At least she doesn't stop him from spending time with us. So I guess, you know, whatever. Could be a lot worse. But I start to worry. My dad is my, 
my dad's about to turn 71. He's had some health issues. And I start to think about if he gets really sick, what ha- if I want to go and be with him, God forbid, if worse. Like, I'm starting to worry wow. about that. But I'll deal with it when it comes. And she couldn't keep me away from my dad. If she tried, she can go fuck herself. So, but like my cousin passed away two years ago. Um, and he was also yeah. like a, a sibling to me. And at the funeral, when I would walk in the room, she would walk out. Oh, that period. sucks. She wouldn't even be in the same room with me. <sighs> she she can judge you and that's fine, but she shouldn't do anything for the kids. Like she shouldn't. She, they don't exist. That would be the problem for me. Like, okay, you're, you don't approve of me. This is who I am and you don't accept that. It's your problem. But to judge the children or or not interact with the children. Yeah, but they don't. We don't live. We don't still, live near each other. Yeah, they don't see her. I, I don't even think that my youngest two kids know she exists. But they so there's no loss for them. I don't care if she were mean. Like if she were around, if they had lost a relationship, that would be different. But they haven't. Even the older ones. We never really saw them. We would see my dad. My dad would come up on his own. I, I would say my older kids met her less than four or five oh, times okay. in their life. Yeah. So, yeah. It, have you always been self-employed or? I have been self-employed for a very long time. I have been self-employed for about well, 20 years. So- it wasn't like you had work relationships you had to work through with, you know, your. Yeah, well, they most of them found out when I oh, yeah. came out on Facebook. They, <laughs> if they're work friends, they're <laughs> Facebook friends a lot of times and yeah. came out on Facebook. Most of them found out, which was like this really yeah. strange blessing in disguise because that Band-Aid ripped right off and it was all out there then. <laughs> so I was just thinking that like. Yeah. No. No more pussy putting around. No more tap dance. Let's. It's out there. That's right. Let's. Let's talk about it. And if I care, I'll explain it. And if you don't get it, it's on you. Absolutely. It kind of helped. You didn't plan it, but it kind of was a blessing, like cathartic. It was. It was. Oh, and so there goes that story, right? So I came out on Facebook (laughs) that day, by choice, and my now girlfriend Bernadette. Posted on my God, she's so I love her so much. She's so dense sometimes. She posted on my page. Did you just come out this morning? Congratulations, blah blah. blah. I'm like private messenger. I'm like take it off my page. You're like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to know. suppress this shit. I think I don't know, but wait. I no. was like, you gotta stop, stop, stop. Um, That's so funny. Yeah, it was really brutal. Double whammy. And so um, we be, be, we became social friends. I discovered through conversation that she was going through uh, a split with her then wife and um, hold on a second. I'm switching. Bear with me. I'm sorry. My phone's about to die. No so I'm switching to AirPods. One second. Doobie doobie doo. Do 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 do. Doobie doobie doo. And she's back. Sorry. Hang in there. Don't leave me. Not yet. There we go. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? But I can't. I can't. Oh, there we go. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, Yeah. So we started chatting and talking and we kind of, we became friends. um, And I didn't have a lot of people who understood. So 
being able to talk to her was really nice. Come in, my roommates come in, come in. We're in the long, it took us a long time to get set. Sorry, say, say hi, Rebecca. <laughs> um, and <laughs> you're gonna say her name is Rebecca. She said, hi, Rebecca. Um, no, you're fine. I'm sorry, fine. Tom. The more that, the I got super distracted there. Cause I had to, I had to save my phone from going out on you. Um, yeah. And we, she came in town for a conference and I invited her. I was like, let's go. You have been so nice to me. Let's go and have a drink. And, uh, she thought it was a date and I didn't <laughs> know it was a date. And sometimes that happens. You don't know you're yeah. on a date. And... It's okay. She didn't try anything, but we, but we, we had a three hour dinner and then we kind of just never stopped talking to each other. And, um, that was that, but she lived in Boston. I traveled. So we traveled to see each other. The whole first year of our relationship was all like exotic adventures. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, um, don't jump from first date. It's to true. Dinner, no shenanigans. No, she didn't try anything. She didn't try anything. Nothing happened. Nothing. But you felt that connection. She yeah. She felt it too. Okay. Yeah. So she leaves and then you're like, hey, wait a second. I don't, were you seeing anybody else? Uh, I was, I was not, I was ending a relationship at that time. And I was also still married, but ending my marriage at that time. Look at you um, juggling three relationships. Like, <laughs> oh, I was awful. That was awful. <laughs> no, that was I'm really sure. stressful. I'm sure. Really, really, really stressful. Um, and there was, it wasn't a complete overlap. There was a little time in between. Um, I lost my train of thought. There was definitely some, there was, there, there was a month, there was just some lag time, you know, some uncomfortable t- oh, space sure. in between there. And uh, yeah, so we just, we just kept talking and the talking got a little more intimate and a little more honest. And we went to do some work together. Um, I was going to help her out with uh, some of her trainings that she does. She works with she educates and trains wedding industry professionals on how to work with and market towards the LGBT community. She also does a lot of other cool things, but at this okay. time that was her main focus. And um, yeah, we got That's together. That's awesome though. It was good. Very cool. Yeah. So how long was she still in Boston and you were in where, Chicago? Uh, about nine months. Nine months. Okay. Yeah. And then she moved in. All right. Okay. And that's awesome. So yeah. you were both doing the same thing. And then at some point you decided to change. You decided to go on a completely different career path. You've made uh, lots of changes there as well, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I do still oh, okay. own my wedding planning business. Um, I do a small number of weddings a year. I have a team Ooh, of people that, that do a, a lot of stuff, but I love it as a creative outlet. It's really great. I'm really very good at it. And so I do still enjoy it. I do some about five luxury weddings a year. Uh, but I started to wonder what what was my role in the world? What, what was I giving? What was I getting back? And when I really started to pay attention, I noticed I was coaching. People saw all that in me before okay. I saw it in me. And two or three times a week, I'd get a call or a text or somebody stop me. I didn't want to try this. And I uh, your phone. you can help. And, uh, uh I just decided. Yeah. Your phone just sh- took a shit again. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> well, on? I don't know. 
Is it there? I don't know what. Yeah. Are you here? Okay. I don't we'll know what it, it is. I'm sorry. It's going to be really irritating be for fine. your listeners. I apologize. Um, they deal with me. So, so fine. yeah. So I started listening and I, and I just, I put a name into it. I, I led a couple of workshops. I started doing it for free. I was starting to become invited to speak at different events and train. And what I do is I, I do life and business coaching. I don't think you can be successful in business if you're not successful, successful in life. Okay. Full in life. Um, and I help people go from like, the fuck is wrong? Where do I want to go? What's in my way? And then systems and strategies to get their, their dreams made. So it's this combination of the metaphysical, the mindset, the woo woo, and then the analytical business end of it. And I'm humble really brag. fucking good at it, man. Humble brag. Really, really good at it. <laughs> That's your second time you humbly bragged. No, I'm a great wedding planner. No and humble. I am. <laughs> Not even a little humble, just brag. I am. A lot. It's interesting, though. Those skill sets overlap yeah, I can a see lot. That. They really do. So I hate the word woo-woo. I need to come up with a new. Your phone just took an absolute shit. And I think you're gone. What? Well, I'll play with it. Hello? Hey. They call me white trash. I guess that ain't so bad. That's what they said to Johnny Cash. And look at the life he had. I'm just a drunk and a loser. My mama says that I'm no good That I'll never have a decent job Or live in a nice neighborhood I don't care what people say About me behind my back Cause me and the man got it all figured out Me and the man in black But I got cash But I got cash It's true that I live in a trailer and I drink beer all day long. But I'm an artist and a writer, a poet, a singer of songs. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, that's what the good book states. But it's hard for me to be joyful when all I hear about are my mistakes. Well, I don't care what people say about me behind my back. Cause me and the man got it all figured out. Me and the man in black, well I got cash, well I got cash, well I got cash, well I got cash. I don't reckon that I'll ever make it to join him in the Hall of Fame. I swear I'll never quit trying The beast in me cannot be tamed They say I'll die a poor man A recluse with nothing to eat But I've got my cash, you got my spirit And that's all this hillbilly needs But I don't care what people say About me behind my back Cause me and the man got it all figured out Me and the man in black But I got cash 